Hey podcast and thank you for tuning in for another episode. Now before I dive in, there's one thing you could do to massively help me if you're enjoying these podcasts please and that is just to take two seconds to leave a real short review on whatever podcast that you're listening to. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, there should be a little button there to leave a review or leave a rating or whatever. Same for on any other. If you could do that for me, that'd be really, really appreciated. It'd only take two seconds and it'll help the podcast reach more people. Now, I've got a bit of a different podcast for you today. So I'm doing a chat GPT special. Now, you probably know what chat GPT is, but it's basically an AI tool, artificial intelligence tool that you can type anything into and it'll spit out an answer. Now, I wasn't expecting to do this podcast today on my own because I was supposed to be recording um, an interview yesterday, but it got snowed off and we've had some proper, proper snow here. So I think it's minus five today, which is England gets cold, but that is unusually cold if you're uh, if you're not from the UK. So it's so cold. Yesterday I went out on a ride. And after about 20 minutes, my dropper post actually froze. So it, I think it was the cable that kind of actuates the bottom of the Fox Transfer dropper post. And what happened is when I pressed it, it was almost like the lever was stuck on. So the dropper post would go down um, and it'd stay down, oddly enough. But then if I was to put it up to the top, it, it would just sink back down again, if that makes sense. So I enjoyed the ride, but the bike didn't enjoy it that much. So anyway... It's me today on the podcast, so I was thinking, what can I do for an episode that I didn't really have planned, but I still wanted to get one out for you. So today, I've gone on ChatGPT, and I've asked ChatGPT what are 30 fitness-related questions mountain bikers ask about mountain biking. So I thought it'd be quite nice prompts, actually, and I've gone through, you know what, the, the questions, they're quite generic, but... I think they're pretty good to be honest, so I'm going to go through these 30, we'll see if we get them all done. So because there's 30, I won't spend ages on each one, I'm just going to fire through them and hopefully it brings you some value. So bit of a bit of a different one for you today. Alright, so question number one, how can I improve my endurance for long mountain bike rides? So let's say that this question is specifically for long mountain bike rides. In other words, you want to be able to ride further and to be able to keep going and going and going. And there's a few things that you want to work on to be able to improve this. So first of all, you want to spend as much time on the bike as you possibly can. So the more time you spend riding, the better. You know, if you're used to going out on a weekend for four or five hours, it's going to be second nature to you. And it's going to be much easier than if you only do one hour rides and then all of a sudden you're expecting yourself to do eight hours. That's one side of it. Second thing, I would do as much zone two training as you can. So zone two training is basically when you jump on a bike, usually a static bike, because it's easier to get to that zone two. Um, and you stay on it for 45 minutes to an hour, usually something like that, but do it multiple times a week. And the idea is that you do it at a pace that you can talk at, but it's not the most comfortable to hold um, a conversation so you know when you have to kind of talk and then take a breath and then talk and take a breath it's that kind of intensity but it doesn't feel like an incredibly hard workout so building your zone 2 base with tons of zone 2 riding that will really help your endurance um, and then the other side of it would be to lift weights slash do resistance training off the bike and the reason for that is it's going to help you get stronger muscles which are going to find it easier um, one second there's someone at the door
I told you this was a last-minute podcast. <laughs> We've got a workman in at the minute. He's putting some wardrobes up for us, so he just arrived back at the house. So, right, that was question number one. On to question number two. What are the best strength training exercises for mountain biking? Good question, ChatGPT. Um, I get asked this question quite a lot, and it's often like, what are the best exercises? Now, overall, the best exercises that you can do if you had like an um, a, a really limited amount of time to do some exercises are those which use the biggest muscle groups whilst also using full range of motion or as much range of motion as possible. And the reason for that is because you use a load of muscles all at once and also you improve your mobility and your flexibility by doing quite big range of motion. So... To give you some examples, things like the typical compound exercises like squats, deadlifts, um, barbell shoulder presses, that kind of thing. So exercises in the gym that use big muscles at once. But it's one of those questions that I think is a bit flawed, to be honest, because it's, it's a bit like saying, what's the most important physical skill you need to be able to drive a car? And you might say... Right, it's steering as a random example. But then actually that's kind of like a flawed question because there are so many different things that you need to be good at to be able to drive a car well that actually that question is flawed in the first place. So the answer to that question is as I've gone through those exercises. But actually, if you're training off the bike for mountain biking, you'll generally build a plan where you have your bigger muscle group and um, compound exercises to start your plan so if you're doing things like squats and deadlifts they'll be towards the beginning and then as you get towards the end of the plan that's when you do your smaller muscle groups so things like your rear delts and your core exercises and stuff like that but really you need a plan that's designed to hit absolutely every area every muscle group that you use for mountain biking and all over your body um, and that it's working your body in different ways there's so many different factors that go into building a workout that the question what are the best exercises is always so minimal because there are hundreds and it's about what exercises you do in what order how much rest you you take between exercises how many reps you do how many sets you do how often a week you train how long your workout is like there's so many different factors to it that you can't just narrow it down to these are the best exercises right number three i'm definitely not going to get through 30 of these that was a bit ambitious <laughs> how can i prevent and treat muscle soreness after a challenging ride good question um so this will go for after a workout either so first of all you can't really avoid doms so doms is delayed onset of muscular soreness there's no cure for it there's no way to totally avoid it it essentially comes whenever you outreach yourself so if you're used to doing 10 mile rides and then you all of a sudden do a 20 mile ride or if you're not used to training off the bike and then all of a sudden you go and do a gym session that's going to trigger that delayed onset of muscular soreness it's such a shock to your body it creates a lot of micro tears a lot of damage um, and you get DOMS. So there's nothing really you can do to absolutely stop it. But to answer the question of what you can do to kind of decrease it, um, baths are really good, or saunas, so something basically where it's really, really hot, that warms your muscles up, that's really good. More exercise, so if you wake up the next day and you're sore, going for a ride, doing a gentle workout, doing a load of stretches, that kind of thing, that really, really helps. It gets some, um, some movement into that muscle. And making sure that you eat well. Now, while that won't solve DOMS in the short term, it will ensure that you recover adequately from that workout and get stronger and fitter so workouts don't tire you out as much. 
but ultimately it's just a matter of training and riding more because the more you train and ride the less doms you're going to get because you're not a beginner you're not new to riding it doesn't take that much out of you compared to what it used to Number four, what's the ideal nutrition plan for sustained energy during a mountain biking session? Good question. I would say go listen to the nutrition um, episode that we did a couple of weeks ago because that was wicked. I think it was an hour and 40 minutes, something like that, purely talking about nutrition. So if you want the answer to that question, refer back to that podcast because it's a huge topic. Number five, how do I choose the right mountain bike for my fitness level and riding style? These are some cool questions, aren't they? So that ChatGPT has just come up with them. Um, so how do I choose the right mountain bike for my fitness level and riding style? Um, so first of all, I'd say it doesn't really, your bike choice that you choose doesn't really need to be impacted by your fitness level. The only kind of caveat to that would be if you're really unfit or a total beginner or you've got some kind of injury where you can't get your heart rate up, you know where this is going, um, or you've got some reason that you think you're going to struggle to really build your fitness level up, you might want to start on an e-bike. Um, but to be honest, for most people, I think just starting on a normal bike is the best way to go. Um, I'm not averse to e-bikes though, as you know. This could get into a massive podcast. Let's uh, steer away from this. Um, I think choose the bike that, you can afford so i'd always say if you know you're going to get into biking always buy the most expensive bike you can comfortably afford and the reason for that is because there's a huge difference between a one thousand pound bike and a two thousand pound bike and there's a big difference still between a two thousand bike and a three and a half grand bike the more that you spend though that starts to drop off so the difference between a six grand bike and a ten grand bike is going to be noticeable to somebody who's been riding for a long time but I, I can't say a beginner would really notice the difference between a six grand bike and a 10 grand bike out on the trail. Like the, the differences are so subtle, you're not going to notice it. So if you're looking to buy a bike and it's your first bike, spending, you know, as much as you can within reason will make a big difference. Because if you go and buy an absolute 500 quid budget beginner bike, and if you need to do that, that's fine, do it you're quickly going to be outbiked. So as soon as you start hitting some slightly gnarlier trails, as soon as stuff, um, you start getting more and more into riding, you're going to need to upgrade it. Um, and then how to choose the right bike for your riding style. That, again, is a really good question. Um, people will often message me and just say, what bike should I buy? And it totally depends on what you ride. Like, are you riding really tricky downhill stuff or are you riding on canal towpaths? So you just need to decide what you're going to ride. If you're only ever going to do canal towpaths, a hardtail is absolutely fine and probably best, to be honest. Um, if you're wanting to go to trail centres and ride your black trails, you obviously need to be on something a bit bigger. Um, so that's more of a beginner question, but if you are a beginner listening to this, I'm sure that was a bit helpful. Number six, are there specific stretches to help prevent injuries related to mountain biking? That is a really good question. These are good chat GPT. I'm going to use this again. It's clever what they come up with, isn't it? Um, yes, there are. Um, so the, the easiest thing to do here would be to go and sign up to the MTB Fit app. You can get a seven-day free trial at mtb.fitness. And in there, there are loads of daily stretches that you can do that will help improve your flexibility. But one thing that people often don't consider when it comes to improving flexibility and mobility 
is that it's not just about stretching. So you picture stretching and you think about doing hamstring stretches, don't you, on the floor in front of the TV um, or yoga. Actually, doing the right kind of exercises in a workout will improve your flexibility and mobility as well. So an exercise like a Bulgarian split squat, for example, um, if you don't know what that is, imagine I'm stood up tall and then I put one leg behind me on like a chair behind me and then do a one leg squat as low to the ground as I can possibly go. That's a Bulgarian split squat. You can Google it for an image. They are really good at improving flexibility and mobility whilst building strength through that full range of motion. So that's why it's so important to do a varied workout, like I mentioned before, because you're not just strengthening yourself up, although you are strengthening yourself up, you can also improve your flexibility and mobility whilst training. You don't just have to stretch to do that. Number seven, how can I improve my technical skills on the trails? Practice, 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 and then practice some more. That's the biggest thing. Like Spending time on the bike is the best way to learn. If you look at the vast majority of pro riders, they started riding when they were kids, and then they just never stopped. They rode all the time. Now, I'm sure they had some teaching along the way, but ultimately, it's about riding as often as you can. Now, as well as that, getting some skills coaching will really help. So go and see a coach who can film you and give you expert feedback on what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. Watching the technique videos that you see on YouTube, like GMBM, when I got back into riding for several years ago, I can't remember how long it was, eight years ago, something like that. Um, I really enjoy watching GMBM videos. I found those really useful. Um, Pink by do some as well. Um, uh, what's the guy called? can't think of his name off the top of my head. I think it's Ben something. Oh, he's such a nice guy as well. Super tall guy, Scottish, races downhill, broke his back uh, in his last season. And I can't remember his last name, but it's doing my head and it'll come to me. Anyway, Pink Bike, he does a wicked series that is really, really good um, that breaks down things. That's a good video series to watch. Um, it's on the Pink Bike YouTube channel, that one. Um, so yeah, watching videos. And then the other thing I would say is ride with better riders than you and pick the brains for tips. But to be honest, when you're following down the trail, even if you only follow them and you can only keep up for the first corner or two, you'll pick up on subtle things from their riding just from following somebody more skillful than you. Question number eight, what is the importance of cross training for mountain biking? So cross training is basically training with a different sport that can help improve mountain biking. Now, if we take weight training and resistance training out of that, because I talk all the time about the importance of that, every mountain biker needs to train off the bike, in my opinion. Um, if we think about cross training and training with other sports, it can really, really help you mountain biking. So a lot of people who listen to this who live in countries like America, for example, and they'll often ski and snowboard through the winter and then ride through the summer. So those both have really good crossovers, so they can help each other. Um, and there's other sports as well, like climbing. If you go bouldering indoors, that hugely helps your mountain biking. It's great for your flexibility. It's great for testing your bottle and your nerve because even though the wall's not that high, still pretty scary. And great for building your grip strength, great for your balance. It's great for kind of like slowing everything down and working on techniques. So that's a huge crossover. But then to be honest, every sport will benefit mountain biking in its own little way. If you play five-a-side football on a Saturday, that's going to benefit you. If you're into running, 
that's going to benefit your riding. I think the more sports that you can do, if you want to, they will benefit mountain biking. Now, um, I've probably phrased that wrong, to be honest. It's not the more sports that you do. It's that any sport that you do can benefit mountain biking. That's a better way of putting it. Um, now, occasionally, I do get people who ask for my advice and they want to train to improve the riding fitness. But I've had people before who also go skiing every week, climbing every week, running every week. Um, and then they do yoga twice a week as well. And they want to improve the mountain biking. And the thing is for people like that who have so many hobbies is that you can be good at them all. But if you really want to improve one of them, you need to cut out some of the others and spend more time focusing on that one thing if your aim is to really improve. So if you're only mountain biking once a week and you're doing three other sports, you're going to improve slower at mountain biking than if you were just mountain biking four times a week. That doesn't mean that you should stop all the other things. It's just important to consider. Um, so yeah, that's cross training for mountain biking. We'll do two more questions. So number nine, how do I build core strength to enhance my stability on the bike? So these questions, by the way, I've not pre-read them. They're really good, aren't they? <laughs> like clever what it can come up with. Um, the answer to building core strength is training off the bike. Sound like a stuck record. But you don't have to just do core exercises to build core strength. So everybody thinks of planks and sit-ups and crunches and things like that. Those do build your core strength, but actually just every part of your workout, if it's a good workout, will build your core strength. So when you're doing squats, when you're doing deadlifts, when you're doing chin-ups, when you're doing shoulder presses, when you're doing press-ups, when you're doing walking lunges, all of those exercises are actually working your core whilst you're doing them, especially exercises that use a heavy weight because your core has to work to hold everything together. So following a good strength resistance training plan like the MTB Fit app um, will really, really help. And then uh, generally doing some core exercises in your workout will benefit you as well. So, you know, doing two, three exercises, if that at the end of a workout can help you just really overload your core and finish your core off. But generally a good mountain bike specific workout plan will do exercises that work your core without you having to do core exercises in in inverted commas. And then finally, number 10, are there specific warm-up routines recommended before hitting the trails? Yeah, you got a couple of options here. So again, in the MTB Fit app, there's warm-up routines in there which you can follow. Now, what those are are dynamic stretches that you can do before a ride. They work best if you're riding from home because you probably don't want to be doing a full warm-up routine in the car park um, of the trail centre, although you can, of course, do that. Um, so they work really well. So if you're riding from home, doing five minutes of dynamic stretches, which is stretches with movement, that really helps. And then the follow-on to that is that you want to start your ride slowly. So always try and plan a ride so that the gentlest climbs are at the beginning of the ride, or ideally if you can ride on the flat for a little bit, that really helps. Um, where I live, like I live in the bottom of a valley and it's just steep hills all around, but some of the hills are steeper than others. So there's one that I did yesterday, which it's absolute bottom gear and you're grinding to get up and you're at max heart rate at the top. Like it's absolutely minging. But then there's also hills which are a little bit more gradual and while still tough, aren't horrific. 
I always try and plan my ride so that I do the easier ones to start off with before I start tackling the more difficult ones. You know, that's that climb that I'm on about. If I started a ride with that, that would just be unpleasant. Like, it would not be nice. It's only about a three-minute ride from my house. So, yeah, that would just be brutal. So try and sort of gradually ease your way into a ride. That would really help. So that's 20 minutes. I think I did 10 questions. We'll have to do some more in the future because it's been a bit of a different concept, this. I hope it's useful for you. Um, I think next week it's going to be me on the podcast on my own again. But then I've got a couple more episodes booked in and we've got the one from last week to rearrange as well. So there'll be some interviews coming up. Hopefully you enjoyed this. Hopefully you found it useful. And remember, if you do get two minutes, please just leave a review. It would mean a lot. Thanks very much.